everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. Welcome back. It's another Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. (laughs) Yes, I'm having great fun, as you can tell. I'm giggling my head off here, thinking about what we've got coming up for you this time. Because it's an old chum of mine. She used to be filming Hello, Hello at the BBC Studios when I was doing the Paul Daniels Magic Show. And of course, we were all there for years, our programmes went on. So uh, all got to know each other really well. And this is uh, Vicky Michelle. And she's led such an amazing life, Vicky. And she's one of those people, she's always got loads of energy. And she's never changed over those years. So I really hope you're going to enjoy listening to this. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. So I'm delighted to have you, Vicky Michelle, as my next guest on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. So I wonder what tea of yours we can spill. (laughs) So I want to go right back to the beginning, to when you were a little girl. And, you know, we've known each other for a very long time. Very long time. (laughs) I was doing a little bit of research on you to see if I could find anything that I didn't know. And I did, but it's from when you were a little girl. Your dad was a fishmonger. He was a fish merchant. He bought and sold fish. Yes, wholesaler. Yes. I found this story on the internet that you had a very special au pair. Oh, yes. That's very good, Debbie. Good research, (laughs) darling. Not a lot of people know this. No, I've never heard it myself before. So uh, am I right? It was Elkie Summer. Yes, it was Elkie Summer. She was our old pair and she came over from Germany um, and she was our, our old pair. Lovely, lovely looking girl. But my mum taught her how to do her hair, how to put her makeup on and, uh, and she became very glamorous. And she, was, she went into London and she was spotted in, I think it was an Italian nightclub. And this guy said, I think you'd be amazing um, on film. Um, I want to fly you to Italy. And so... Um, she sort of left us in the middle of the night <laughs> and went off. Her name was Elkie Schlates at that time. But her mother, she brought her mother over. Her mother was staying with us as well. So her mother stayed on and became our au pair. And Elkie Schlates flew off uh, to Italy and then the States and became Elkie Summer. And a huge Hollywood star for huge anybody who hasn't yes. heard of her, Google her, because yes. in the 60s, she was as big as any um, actress, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. I mean, she was a big... So how, what would you compare her with? All the glamorous blonde girls. Yeah, Anita Ekberg or yes. Protect you know, that sort yes. of thing. So after having this uh, special old pair, of course, your mum was an actress, wasn't she? Yes. Yeah, mummy went to Lambda. And, um, and uh, she met daddy and she fell pregnant with me and then she gave everything up and she had four girls. So I've got three sisters, 
But when she was working, her claim to fame, she worked with the fabulous Terry Thomas and a few other uh, things that she did. But she was also in a film called The Glass Mountain with Tito Gobby. And mm -hmm. that's an epic, epic film. And if you haven't seen it, it's brilliant. Do watch yeah. it. Absolutely. So now, so you were a little girl, had this au pair who went on to be a big movie star, uh, very secure childhood with your mum and dad. And then, uh, so tell us how, how did it happen that you got into show business? Um, I think always from children, uh, we did, I went to ballet school from three years old. I loved ballet. And then we do the local pantomime. You know, we'd always do the pantomime every year, singing, dancing, doing all that. And my sister Anne as well. And we, and mummy always used to sing around the house. So we used to sing. Um, so that happened. And then we went to, um, I had an accident when I was doing ballet at 14 and I, I gave it up. Uh, but then we just went to normal school. And then my sister was really naughty, Anne. And um, so they asked her to leave. And uh, she always wanted to do acting. And so daddy sent her to Ada Foster Stage School. And I stayed on at school, to, did all my O-levels, and I took a secretarial course. And then daddy said, would you like to go to stage school for a year to the students part? And I said, well, I don't know whether I really want to be a secretary. So yes, I'd love to. And so I went off to stage school and they sort of sent you out at the same time as your training. So part of the training is going for castings and also they own the agency. Ada Foster and Anita Foster own the agency. So not only are you paying to go, go to teach for them to teach you, they're also earning money out of you if you did any uh, work. And I just started working and um, I got Dixon of Dot Green and Softly Softly, I did three Softly Softly's leads in those. And was sort of doing minder and professionals and things like that. But uh, also I got, right at the beginning, um, I got a play which went in, started off two weeks in Cambridge and went into the West End, The Globe, uh, one of my first stage jobs, uh, working with Dudley Moore in Play It Again, Sam. It was brilliant, great cast. Right. And you, so really, Vicky, you kind of took off immediately and, you know, we'll get to Allo Allo, but you had there such a career before Allo Allo. And I've been, you know, for my podcast, I've been trying to find bits of information that other people might not have heard. So the other thing I found out about you was a movie that you did with your sister yeah. called The Virgin Witch. Yes, that was really back in the day. <laughs> it was one of those that it was sort of one of these um, spooky horror, it was of the genre, horror mm. movies. And, uh, and actually we didn't, we ended up not getting paid for it. So it was one of those things and that was it really. And we would play sisters in it, yeah. And the posters are amazing. So if anybody wants to have a look around the internet for it, I think you were 22 when you were in it, something like that? No, Quite young. no I was about 18. 18, even younger. 19, 19, maybe 19. You know, you were very young to be getting all this work. And as you say, with Dudley Moore, all these huge stars. And it did come from quite a special family because your mum, having been an actress, was glamorous and, you know, sort of led you into a showbiz world. So what was it like meeting all these famous people at such an, a young age? Did you always feel comfortable around them or were you in awe? Um, I suppose I just felt comfortable with them. You know, I think um, mommy and daddy used to go to a lot of the water rats do. So they met lots of people there, Frankie Vaughan and people like that. So dad always went to, um, took mommy to lovely places. 
And um, so they sort of mixed sort of with showbiz to a point. And, um, and so I sort of was used to it and I just took, well, I've always taken people for what they are. I've never thought mm. anyone is different from anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> the person in the street is the same as everyone else. You know, you're either a nice person or you're not. <laughs> and, and anyone that knows you knows that's so true. Even if it's the queen, you're still always picky, making jokes. Yeah. So now, you know, we come on to Allo Allo and you've done so much stuff before it. And I read that you've done a plane on a, let me, I've got my notes so I get the name right, um, Come Back Mrs. Noah. Yes. And yeah. the thing I read about it said that this kind of led you to doing Allo Allo. Is was that right? Yes, because my sister was doing acting. She went out to America and she was really good in America. You know, did, did lots of big films out there. And um, I'd given up acting for a year and I wanted to go back to it. And uh, because there was just like no work about. And... Mm. So David Croft was casting for a series called Come Back Mrs. Noah. And my sister and I went for the same role. And he couldn't make up his mind and he chose Anne for this role. It was one of those series that should have gone, you know, because all of Croft and Lloyd's and, mm. and Perry's series went on ad infinitum. But this one didn't take off as much because I think Kenny Everett was on, on the other side, who I'd worked with as well. <laughs> but um, I did, so Anne got the main lead and then there was a part for a French made robot. And Anne said, why don't you use Vicky for that? So I played the part of a French made robot. So obviously when it came to Hello Hello and they went, oh, French. Well, who should we use? Who's French? Oh yes, what about Vicky? So I went to read for Hello Hello for um, Michelle of the Resistance and Andy Vett. And we didn't hear for at least six months that I'd got it. I just thought, oh, I haven't got it. And then we heard, and then the, the rest is history. And of course, you were on all nine series and then did these tours in Australia and New Zealand and big shows at the Palladium with it. And, you know, it's sort of a legendary character, Yvette. How much of that character was you? Because, you know, with all the little asides and the, the funny little noises that you do with René, yeah. was that all written in the script or did it? that come from within Vicky? Well, I, <laughs> there's a lovely story that I used to say to David Cobb, everyone has got a, um, a catchphrase, you know, come back, uh, listen very carefully, I shall yeah. say once, you stupid woman, good moaning. And I said, can I have a catchphrase? He said, no, darling, we've got enough. And I said, oh, please <laughs> let me have a catchphrase. No, darling, we've got enough, okay. But every week I used to go, oh, 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 H, Rene. So, oh, Rene. So in the earlier uh, episodes, if you watch, I go, oh, Rene. You know, and then I watched Rose Hill, who, and, um, and Ken Connor, and they would be given a part. And so say Rose Hill's line was, oh, the flashing knobs. Okay. But when Rose did it, she went, oh, the flashing knobs. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, that more camera time. So I started elongating my O's to get more camera time, basically, and to get a catchphrase. And uh, David used to look at me with one, he used to raise one eyebrow and go, so I went, first it was, oh, Rene. And then the next time he let me get away with that, and then he went, oh, Rene. And then eventually it became, oh, Rene. So that became my catchphrase by default, but he let me get away with it. 
Oh, fantastic. I mean, I love all these little stories of show business where, you know, professionals have learnt their trade and, as you say, learnt to get a bit more airtime. And so when you first started in LOLO, did you think it would become as big as it actually became? I don't think any of us realised. I mean, we knew when I read that script, I'd read a lot of scripts for different comedies for um, the BBC. And when I read this script, I was laughing out loud. I thought, this is a great script. And, um, and when I went to read it, I read, read both parts with a French accent. And I said, was that, do you want me to do it again? Is that, I go, no, no, darling, that's fine. And then I thought, oh, and then I thought I'd got it. And then I hadn't got it. Um, but um, we didn't realize, you know, because it was figures. When you were given figures like, oh, you've got so many million, I don't know, 16 million, whatever they were, um, watching, it, it, it doesn't compute. So it only really computed when we started doing the stage show and took that out. And we toured all over the country, standing room only, 2,000 seaters, packed out watching the show. And then you thought, goodness, we're really, really popular. And then we were popular in, we went to New Zealand, we took the stage show to New Zealand, we did the West End three or four times, about four times, I think. And uh, went to Australia, toured all of Australia. So, um, and I think we sold to nearly, or well, Jeremy Lloyd said we sold to 80 countries. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. In fact, I get recognised a lot by, you know, a lot of Polish people, Bulgarian, all people that it was huge in, you know, where they live. So, um, yeah, yeah, great. So from this, I mean, you've never stopped working since. And, you know, whenever I speak to you, you're off on another tour of another play or doing another movie. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when you first got the role working with Ray Winston. Oh, yeah. I, we were together one night just before you started that, you know, and you were really excited. But of course, from all of that, you went on to produce a movie. Yes, I did. Um, the Ray Winston thing, I was actually up for um, Sexy Beast. I went up for Sexy Beast and it was out me and Amanda Redman who got that. And Amanda got it. And she's a fantastic actress. So you think, mm. And so it was so, I was so happy when I worked with Ray in All in the Game later where he played my husband and Danny Dyer was my son. So it was, it was great. It was, good. It, it was a good, um, it was a good film. I was doing some work for Ray Cooney and uh, my husband Graham said, um, we were talking to him one night and said, why have you never done a film of your plays? And he said, yeah, why haven't I? <laughs> and um, so we discussed it and decided to do Run For Your Wife, which Danny Dyer starred in um, with Denise Van Outen and um, Sarah. Uh, but um, so I became involved and they needed to raise some money. So Ray put some money in and I knew some people that wanted to invest and the cast was amazing. I mean, everyone and their dog was, everyone that knew Ray, was in it. I mean, we had Dame Judi Dench, we had Richard Briers, we had just the cream of British comedy and British acting um, in the show. And um, so it was a great show to invest in, a uh, film to invest in. And that's how I became exec producer on that. And it was great. It was another learning curve for me because I think you've got to survive in this business. You know, you can't, you know, with acting, you've got to look outside that. So executive producing, I learned how much you can put in, how much you can get back if you invest you know, properly. I also started my own company, Trading Faces, uh, when Alo Alo finished. And that's been running 25, 30 years now, you know, so, uh, which my two sisters run. Um, so all of those sort of things I've done as, because I think you have to keep working. It's a very 
you know, some you, it's a business where you don't know where your next job's coming from. Now, Vicky, most of the roles I've seen you in have been, you know, the glampus because you still are. But quite recently, you were actually playing somebody older than yourself. Tell us about that. I know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I had to play up age-wise, and it was a fantastic play. It was written by Dylan Costello, and it was called Hello, Norma Jean, and it was about Marilyn Monroe. But it was such a clever play, and it was sort of, Marilyn Monroe had faked her death, and uh, was living in England, and decided to go back to America to prove that she was alive. And it was all twists and turns, and it was like, a who done it? Is it her? Isn't it her? Is she mad? No, it could be Marilyn. No, it's not Marilyn. And all the time you're watching this play, it was like that. But it was a fantastic two hours. I was like, you know, two hours solid mm. with a fantastic cast and all twists and turns. We had CIA agents. It was just a fabulous, fabulous play. And also it was great. I had an old cardigan on and pleated skirt and I was shuffling about. You go, shut up. And <laughs> She'd, she'd got this accent uh, now where she was like that. Oh, bloody hell. So she so <laughs> Marilyn Monroe was speaking like that, the grey wig on. So it was a great, I could just do what I wanted. And mm. just be, you know, it was, it made you laugh. It made you cry. It was just one of those parts that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Of course, the other thing uh, we haven't mentioned so far is Emmerdale. Oh, yes. Because yeah, you've yeah. dipped in and out of Emmerdale so many times, haven't you? Well, I started, I've got this, it's only like um, I, I was booked to, to go in for a sort of a run. And, um, <laughs> and what happened is I got the part of Patricia, Patricia, God, I can't remember the last name. And I was um, one of the, the two boys that I can't remember the character names, but it was Matt and um, Richard Grieve, Grieve, Richard Grieve. So he was playing my son, Australia. So I was his mother. And I'd gone in and we were, I was going to have a ding dong with Patrick Moa, who I knew, fabulous, that was great, I had the little chihuahua. It was all going on, fabulous. So I did about three episodes of that. Um, and they were going to bring me back in as a regular. And then they got a new producer. And the producer got rid of my sons, my, my son and his husband in the series. Oh. So that was it, end of Emmerdale. I mean, you just think, you think, this is it, got it. And then it's gone. Yeah. Oh, well, it's late. Something better's around the corner. <laughs> well, Vicky, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. How insightful and, you know, and honest you are about different things to do with your career. So uh, we will look forward to seeing you again on our screens or in a theatre when the lockdown is over. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I've got panto, but I don't even know whether we can do panto. Same. Forward, I know. Forward to Panto at the end of the year. I was going to do. Yeah. Somewhere. So I'm hoping that that's going to happen. But it's quite scary out there at the moment. I mean, it really I, is. It is. I, I heard that seven theatres have closed. Great theatres, beautiful theatres. So mm. we've got to be, you know, got to support actors, theatres, get out there, or do what you can. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, Vicky. Thank you, Vicky Michelle. Thank you for spilling the tea with me. Lovely talking to you, Debbie. You're good. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to. Well, there you go. That was Vicky Michelle. I told you she was quite a girl. And isn't that a wonderful, deep voice? I wish mine was as deep as that. And uh, so what have I been getting up to recently? Well, you know, this lockdown business, I know they say we can go out, but I'm still not sure how safe it is. But I have 
ventured out to support um, a local pub and had Sunday lunch there. Uh, there were, I went very late, so there weren't that many people in there, so that felt a bit safer. But I did have hand wipes and antiseptic wipes, and I was wiping everywhere all the time. And it was making me think back to times of when in the movies you'd hear about very eccentric people that wouldn't touch anything and were frightened of spreading or getting other people's germs. And I thought that's what we're all doing at the moment. And um, one thing I have done, because I am putting on a bit of weight in lockdown, I have to say I've got more time to cook. So I'm eating more and, you know, more time to eat. So I have got my bike out of the garage and um, I've actually washed it all down, sprayed it with WD-40. I haven't used it for five years and um, got a friend to pump up the tyres because my pump had broken. And it's now going and I had a practice on it up and down my lane the first day. And then yesterday I went off and I went a couple of miles to a local shop and just bought a few bits of shopping. Because yes, no, I have not got a gull racer bike. My bike is a Miss Marple bike. I'm Miss Marple McGee when I'm out on my bike with a with a basket on the front. You know, I live in the countryside in a village. It's very Midsummer Murders or Miss Marple. And uh, so I was able to put my shopping in the basket. I did wobble a bit, I have to say. And on the bits where I had to go on a road, because some I've got cycle tracks, but the bits I had to go on the road, as soon as I could hear a car behind me, I think I wobbled more, you know, it's just psychological, isn't it? But I'm sure I'm going to get stronger, but I need to get it checked over. So that's a friend who's going to take it into a local cycle shop for me actually today. Um, and have the tyres checked to make sure I don't need new tyres and check over the gears and everything. So, um, yeah, so that's been my, that's the biggest thing really that's happened to me this week. Um, last week, I did make a commercial. I was actually working and um, came as a bit of a shock to have to be up at five o'clock every morning. Haven't had to do that since March. And um, also, working with social distancing you know, all the time you've got to be aware of not being near people and uh, very strange I have to say very strange but we got through so um, I shall look forward to, to uh, being with you with my next podcast um, and another person I'm really excited about talking to and I know you're going to love because uh, it's somebody I've made friends with just in the last few years and um, we did a program um called The Pilgrimage for BBC Two. So we were together for three weeks. There were seven of us. So this person was a part of that. And it's Neil Morrissey, men behaving badly. And now, goodness knows everything else. Every time I switch the telly on, Neil is on. And what I found out when I work with him on The Pilgrimage is, yes, he loves to act like Jack the Lad, but Neil's a really kind person. And actually, he's incredibly bright and intelligent. So that's what will be coming up next. But um, that won't be for about another week. So in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and I'll be with you then. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to.